Hello and welcome to an episode of The Greenhouse Athens, a podcast from the Greenhouse Church in Athens, Tennessee. My name is James Howard McGuire, and I'm the worship pastor at The Greenhouse Church. This podcast exists to provide an in-depth, practical conversation based on the teachings from our Sunday morning gatherings. Additionally, we hope to encourage and challenge people in their walk with Christ through the testimonies of other believers. On today's episode, Todd Humbert, our lead pastor, is giving more thoughts on Acts chapters 4 and 5 in an episode titled, Almost Christian. Hey, good morning, Greenhouse Church. This is Todd Humbert. Uh, I am so excited to be able to talk to you again about what we talked about last Sunday, that we can't be almost Christian. We talked about being almost Christian because if you're 97, 98, 99% Christian, as in a cultural sense, then you're 100% lost. And being almost is costing people eternity. And we looked at a a scribe in, in Mark chapter 12, a religious leader who was familiar with the law of God in the Old Testament that came to Jesus and asked him the most important questions of the law. And Jesus responded, and he responded back intelligently or wisely. And Jesus says, you are not far from the kingdom of God, but not far is not far enough. And that is that is where I feel like a lot of our culture is in the religious South. Like we have a familiarity with Jesus. We have uh, this sort of affection toward a Jesus or a version of Jesus that we know, but we may not know the Jesus of Scripture. And that's really what God wants us to do, to take up our cross, to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him, to deny the sinful, unredeemable parts of our life, to turn away from that, to turn to Jesus, put our full hope, full trust, full confidence in what Jesus has done for us on the cross and in the resurrection, in His life, living the life that we couldn't live in order to give us eternal life. Now, if you were listening on Sunday and you say, you know what? I don't know if I'm almost Christian. I don't know if, you know, the receiving Jesus into my heart was really my conversion point. I don't know if if my baptism was real. I don't know if my first communion or my confirmation class or my or or these rites of passage. I don't really know. And so my question to you is, what are you putting your confidence in? What are you putting your confidence in? If you're asking the question, am I almost Christian? That's a good question because the Bible tells us to to test and approve, to examine our safe, to see if we really are in the faith. Second Corinthians tells us to do that, to examine ourselves, to see if we really are in the faith. So you don't necessarily want to point back to a historic moment in your life to say, oh yeah, I am saved because of that. No, that is not true. You might be saved, but it's not because of that. You are saved because of Christ. If you're if you're putting your confidence in anything else but the cross of Jesus and his resurrection and his transforming power in your life, then you're almost Christian. Now, J.D. Greer put out a good book here a while back, says, and the title uh, kind of summarizes the book, Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart. Stop asking Jesus into your heart. Now, when we read that title, we think, oh, well, well, that's how you get saved. You ask Jesus in your heart. That is not how you get saved. Being saved, being a follower of Jesus, following him is not asking God to be a part of your life. It's realizing that there is no life apart from him. I heard that in a podcast this week, a Hobmob guy said that, hobmob.com, and I thought, man, that is an amazing quote. It's not asking Jesus to be a part of my life. It's realizing that I have no life apart from him. And folks, that's what faith is. 
When we have faith and confidence in who Jesus says he is and what he did on our behalf, we have faith and hope in the resur- in his resurrection, then we commit, I hate to use that word, but commit is a good word. We surrender, that may be even a better word, we surrender our life to him and we receive eternal life. So salvation is not so much asking God to be a part of my life, but it's recognizing that Jesus is Lord. That's what Romans 10, 9 means. He is Lord. He is the ruler, sovereign ruler over all. And for me to enter into a relationship with him, I bring all my mess and all my brokenness and all my sinfulness and lay it at his feet. And I surrender my rights um, as the ruler of my own life for him to be the ruler of my life. So, folks, that's what it means to be saved. And we know that repentance is you bringing everything you know about yourself to everything you know about God and trusting in Him. All right, so we're not going to be perfect when we turn our life over to Christ. The repentance is really the doorway into the journey of repentance. So once we turn from sin to Christ, once we bring our entire selves to Him, then it begins the journey of God still revealing areas in our life. And yes, we falter and fall back and aren't perfect and God picks us back up and washes us off and puts us back on our feet just like a toddler trying to find its steps or a baby trying to find its steps. You know, God knows that and we grow to maturity. But here's the deal. Uh, Living things grow. Living things grow. And if you're wondering, am I a Christian? Maybe I'm an almost Christian. Well, are you growing in God? Are you growing in affection for Him and love for Him and love for the Word of God? Are you growing in worship? Have you ever at any point in your life had baby steps toward even or large chunks of life toward growing in Him and loving Him and having this affection and desire for Him? And if you don't, then you might be almost Christian. And it's time to pause even stop what I'm saying and surrender the rights of your life to the Lordship of Jesus. It's so important, folks, that we not have this religious culture, but we have the sovereign Lordship of Jesus over our life. And and folks, once you enter into that covenant relationship with God, you are secure. I'm not trying to paint a picture where you're 97% today, 100% tomorrow, you're 93% the next day. No, once you are 100% God's, you remain God's. Now, once you are God's you re- and you're under his lordship, and when you enter into relationship with him as your father, he is going to make sure you grow. Romans chapter 8 says this, for it is God who uh, makes all things work together for our good to those who love him. That's a beautiful passage. We love that passage. But the very next passage is for those whom God has uh, foreknown, he's predestined to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. Now, don't let that predestined word throw you off. He has predestined this. If you know him, it is your fate. It is your destiny to become more like Jesus. Now, we're not going to be perfect till we see him face to face, but it is your fate, your destiny. You, you are going to grow into godliness. And if you're not growing at all, even baby steps, then it's time to take a look back and say, look in the mirror and say, am I almost Christian or do I really know Jesus as Lord and God as Father? These are so important questions. And if you're doubting the security of your salvation, maybe you have a really sensitive conscience and and you're doubting the security of your salvation, then you can just look back, not at yourself, but look back at the cross, look back at the resurrection and see what God 
did for you. And when you place confidence in that, not in yourself, but your confidence is that you can know that you have Christ as your Savior, your sins are forgiven, you're a part of God's forever family, you have a table, you have a seat at the table of God, your name is on the table, there is an RSVP that you have filled out in trust in Christ, and you are going to be with Him forever. Now when we look at Acts chapter 4, there's a couple things that I wanted us to point out to as a follower of Jesus. One, you never stop trusting in the cross. Uh, Trusting in the cross wasn't just something that you did in order to be saved. No, trusting in the cross and trusting in the resurrection and continuing this dependency upon God is something you you continue to do the rest of your life. It's not just something that you do one time uh, and I'm good now. No, when you, when we read the gospel, when we read Acts, when we see the New Testament, we see our life flows from the life of God in us. We continue to hang on to Jesus. Jesus said like this, I'm the vine, you're the branch. A branch has to remain in the vine in order to have life. So that's the dependency of our posture and perspective is that we are looking to God for that life. Now let's look at Acts chapter 4, okay? Acts chapter 4 gives us a few things that the believers were doing. Those who had Christ as Lord, those who have God as their Father, those who are forgiven of their sins, empowered by the Holy Spirit, there are some things that the believers were doing that were really important for uh, for you and me. Just some, some things I want to point out from, from Acts chapter 4. One, uh, they didn't stop jabbering about Jesus. They talked about Jesus. They didn't give up talking about Jesus. Jesus. Matter of fact, when they were arrested for talking about Jesus, they said um, they said very clearly in verse 19 of chapter 4, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you got to judge that. Hey, that's on you. But what we got to do, we cannot stop speaking of what we have seen and heard. When they were arrested, they were put in jail. Uh, there was a miraculous deliverance from jail in Acts chapter 5. And, and the angel told them in verse 20, go and speak. Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. I like how he uh, nuances that. It's this life. Go and speak about this life. What's going to bring people life? And so they went and they spoke. And then they were arrested again in verse 29 of chapter 5. It says, but they must obey God rather than men. They said, we're gonna, we are witnesses, verse 32, of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. If you read the last verse of Acts chapter 5, it says, every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. Matter of fact, in chapter 4, after they prayed together, in verse 31, it says that they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. One thing they did not stop doing was jabbering about Jesus or gossiping the gospel, as one author says. They don't give up on that. So my challenge to you is pray for opportunities for you to share your life with someone and to share the Word of God with someone. Pray for opportunities. Maybe it's a prayer for somebody. Maybe it's an encouraging word. Maybe it's just a seed of the gospel sown in their life. But God is going to bring you people in order for you to share His Word with them. Will you do that, church? Will you jabber? about Jesus. Another thing I want you to see from this text is it's really important to see the what I would call the dichotomy or the comparison between the religious leaders and the Christians. So when in verse 23, when you notice the religious leaders arrested the ordinary, common, uneducated men, all right, that's how they were described in verse 13. They were the common, uneducated, unrabbinical school men, like, hey, who gives you the authority to do these things? 
they weren't religious leaders. They weren't religious elite. They were just common, everyday people. And notice in verse 23, when they get together, it says they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders said to them. So you get this sort of dichotomy here that this is a grassroots movement and the family of God isn't about elitism. So yeah, the, the priests, the elders, the, 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 the temple chiefs, all these people over here in Acts 4 and Acts 5 that it describes, you see this sort of hierarchy of power. But when you look at the church, we have to realize that every single individual within the church is a full-fledged member of the body of Christ empowered with the Holy Spirit. We are a ever-expanding group of friends. We are a family of friends. When they were released, verse 23, they went to their friends. And that's how we have to see the people across the pew, the people on stage, the people in the lobby area, the people hospitality, and the people who have, have not yet received the gospel. We're a big group of friends. No better, no worse than any other. Some of us maybe are further along on the journey and we can turn around and help our brothers and sisters get there. But but church, I just, I love the the comparison there or the dichotomy there is that, is that we are just a group of friends honoring and exalting and talking about Jesus. It's a, it's beautiful. So here's, a, those were a couple things that I wanted us to point out from Acts chapter 4 on Acts chapter 5, and uh, I want to leave you with one more thing, um, and it's a beautiful prayer. If you struggle with how to pray, or you struggle with how to pray for boldness, or how to pray uh, for God to use you, Acts 4 gives you an amazing prayer that when these friends came together for prayer because they were afraid to jabber about Jesus. Does that sound familiar to any of you? I get afraid to talk about Jesus. Is this going to get awkward? Are they going to think I'm weird? Are they going to reject what I say? Uh, you know, is this an intrusion in the relationship or conversation? You know, we get afraid to talk about Jesus, but it is what the angel said, this life. It is what brings people life. And if you're afraid, go back and read that prayer in verses 23 to 31, because it's a beautiful prayer for how to ask God for boldness when you and I are afraid, like uh, there's a, a lot of times that we're going to, God's going to put something on our heart to do something and we get afraid. So this prayer is just a beautiful prayer, a collective prayer, actually. It is the church praying together for boldness. And they lift up this beautiful prayer. It says, yes, sovereign Lord who made heaven and earth, sea and everything in it. Um, it quotes an Old Testament passage that predicts the rejection of people, that they're going to rub people the wrong way with speaking about love and life. For some reason, people still get rubbed the wrong way. The manner in which we present the gospel is loving, is life-giving, but people are, it's still going to rub people the wrong way. And what's interesting about this prayer is that they did not ask God to um, shield them or to uh, alleviate the suffering. They said, even though this is happening, would you just look upon their threats, verse 29, and give us boldness? You see that's, you see their threats, you see what's happening, 
but still give us boldness. And then also verse 30, stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders to be performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So sometimes you have these, what's called power encounters. God will use you to do something miraculous. It's his power. It's not your piety. It's not your power. It's his power, but he will work through you to do something extraordinary, maybe even a miracle to open someone's eyes and heart to the gospel. It's a way to present the gospel to people. And that's what the disciples were praying for. They were saying, okay, we need boldness within our hearts, but we also want you to perform uh, miraculous signs and wonders and healings so that we can point people to to Jesus. So uh, if you're uh, afraid for praying, uh, excuse me, not praying, if you're afraid for um, proclaiming the gospel, jabbering about Jesus in a bold way, this is a beautiful prayer. So I encourage you, Christian, as you follow Christ, keep leaning on what Christ has done for you for your salvation, not what you did and not what you can do, but what Christ has done. Evaluate your life. Is Christ in me? Is his life flowing through me? Am I growing? Am I almost Christian? Or am I fully relying on the gospel of Christ? Am I, is my confidence in Jesus or is my confidence in my performance? And then also as a follower of Christ, remember that we gather as friends. We don't have this hierarchy or elitism. We gather as friends. Some of us are further along than others and we mentor and disciple others. We all need those relationships. And also we continue to jabber about Jesus and pray for the boldness to jabber about Jesus. Let me leave you with one final thought. I know that there is a lot of controversy in the world about, okay, should we uh, do this? Should we not do that? Should Christians stand up for this? Should Christians not stand up for that? And sometimes Christians um, are maybe taking some strong stances in, in ways that I'm not sure are entirely biblical stances. But here's one thing, you know, there's a dividing line in the sand. Okay. So if the government mandates that you cannot proclaim Jesus, there is a strict dividing line in the sand that says, nope, I have to proclaim Christ. Now you might have to be wise about it. You might have to be um, sly about the way that you do it and, and, and um, obviously loving, but, but the gospel is clear and Jesus is clear that we cannot stop proclaiming the gospel and we cannot stop worshiping our God. So those are strict dividing lines in Scripture. Now, when it comes to other things and, and maybe certain mandates and all that, I, I, I get it. You know, you, you know, you're going to have to have hard conversations in those ways. But one thing you know is gospel truth is that we can't stop worshiping God and we can't stop proclaiming the gospel. All right, Greenhouse, uh, love you, praying for you, and I hope that we can all grow together um, this year in Christ in the knowledge and understanding of his word. Thanks so much for listening. You can find the link to Sunday's message along with the link to our page on the Church Center app in the show notes. If you have any questions, please send us a message on Instagram or Facebook at the Greenhouse Athens. We'd love to connect with you. Have a great week.